Welcome to Running Virtually with Just Plain Dave, episode 77, the Burden Hand Half Marathon. Well, hello, my friends. This is Just Plain Dave from Southeastern Massachusetts. You want to go for a walk? Yeah, me too. Hello, brown dog. Let's go. Oh, what a glorious day. I am going to share with you a full-blown race report from a half marathon that I just completed this past Saturday, September 11th, in the lovely community of Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. It is a very small community. It's barely a town. It's more of a village. I'm not even sure it's actually incorporated as a town. It is in central Pennsylvania, Lancaster uh, County, and it is an Amish community. And the half marathon is a fundraiser for the local volunteer fire department. And it's got to be their biggest fundraiser of the year. I'll have to look it up, but I estimate they were between 1,500 and 2,000 runners. So in this COVID world, that's certainly the biggest crowd I've been a part of. Um, But all of the activities for the weekend really were outdoors and felt safe and felt reasonable. Oh, that's my neighbor, Floyd. Hello, Floyd. We will keep walking. Floyd is the Great Dane that is the size of a moderate pony. He has a great, great deep bark. Let's see. Burnham was lovely. The weather was perfect. I don't know, 58 degrees before the race started. Started right after sunrise. The corn was as high as an elephant's eye. And it was just really just glorious. Actually, one interesting side effect of the sun being low in the sky and the corn being high is that at two stretches, I was running on like a north-south stretch of road, whatever. And the light was kind of coming through the tops of the corn stalks. And it was practically a strobe effect because the corn was so kind of evenly spaced. It was a very strange thing. I had not encountered that kind of uh, flickering light pattern while running. Um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you see the warning in the movie, like, hey, be, be warned. There could be flickering lights and could cause challenges or whatever it says. Anyhow, Burton Hand is lovely. It's a community where, with a huge Amish, Amish population, so lots of horse-drawn buggies out and about, and all the volunteers along the course were from the Amish community. And so at the aid stations, or at the, all the water stops, there would be, I'll just say, between 8 and 12 young children. Uh, it was almost always the kids to hold, handing out the water. And all the boys <laughs> were wearing identical, I don't want to say costume, because that's not fair, but clothing. So kind of, you know, denim overalls with the, the straw hat. And all the girls were wearing identical clothing. And it was just fascinating. And actually, at one point, I commented that as they're saying, water, water, Gatorade, that they were all in key. So it was like they were chiming at us this, this strange chord of uh, offering aid to the runners. Um, but it was really good fun. I think I'll record this in different sections as I kind of remember highlights here and there. But uh, one aspect that was interesting is I ran with a gentleman named Chris Twiggs. He is a coach in the Galloway training method. I'll pause for a moment. That is not a street-legal motorbike. (laughs) It looked like a... I don't know what it looked like. It looked like a scooter with super fat knobby tires and no license plate. So let's just uh, 
hoped they are safe as they meander around town. So I ran with a gentleman named Coach Chris Twiggs, who is a coach for the Jeff Galloway training method. And that is the run, walk, run training approach where you use a fixed interval for your walking and running. So, you know, some folks like to run, I'll just say 60 seconds, walk for 20, and you just do that the whole time. And it's a way to avoid injury, stay fresh, and, uh, and, and he runs fast with, with that approach. So he and I used the Galloway method. This is the first time I've ever done that for a true race. Um, and we ran four minutes, walked for 30 seconds, and he has a little timer on his, on his arm right next to his watch, and it would beep, 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 and we would pause and walk. You know, we're walking with purpose, so we're not, we're not lollygagging, we're not being lackadaisical. We are walking with purpose, but um, we still we still ran a very good pace, a very respectable time. My overall finishing time was an hour and 42 minutes. Um, and we went in and I was thinking my goal was like 145, but I didn't, you know, haven't been training for speed, neither has he. He and I are about the same age. Uh, he and I have very, very similar uh, best times. We're, his, his fastest 100 miler is about two minutes faster than my fastest 100 miler, which is my only one. He's run many. He's run like 17 or 20 100 milers. So he's a more experienced, more accomplished distance runner. Um, but we were very compatible and we chatted the whole time. It was really good fun. And uh, yeah, let's see. I'll, I will I will pause here and then come back as I think of other things I'd like to share. Many of you who listen to my podcast are familiar with a different podcast called the Extra Mile Podcast, but there might be a handful of you who aren't, so let me share something with you. One of the reasons that Just Plain Dave has his own podcast and decided to put his thoughts, put my thoughts, why am I talking to a third person? That is strangely egotistical. Okay, I have my own podcast because friends of mine, virtual friends, had suggested that I do this. And they are folks who um, mostly came from this other podcast called The Extra Mile and someone who is now a real friend, but I had only interacted with virtually for a long time. His name is Kevin Gwynn. And Kevin and Nigel and Amanda started this, I think, in like 2007, 2008, a very long time ago. It's been going for a long time. And roughly once a month or every other month, you know, regularly, but not exactly on a schedule, Kevin puts out a podcast. And what it is, is contributions from other runners, regular runners like you and me, from all over the country and all over the world. And they submit short submissions. The idea is five minutes or less to say, hey, here's how my training's going, or here's a summary of my last race. And I think starting certainly more than five years ago, I started contributing to the Extra Mile. And it's one of the things that I enjoy very much. I still do it. And most months I try to submit one submission. Sometimes if I interact and engage with other the Extra Mile people, I might do more than one in a month. But it's one of those things that I, I really enjoy. And one of the highlights of the Burden Hand Half Marathon this past weekend was that there was a huge The Extra Mile podcast meetup. And so people from all over the eastern half of the country came to, came to participate in this race. 
So on Friday evening, we had a picnic gathering uh, in the evening after, after race packet pickup. And then Saturday, we met up before. Saturday during the race, a bunch of us stood around and cheered as other folks were finishing. And then Saturday evening, a whole bunch of them went out for dinner while I was visiting my daughter uh, in Baltimore. And it was absolutely, absolutely joyful. Just a really great place to connect with friends. And so I won't get all the geography correct, but I will say certainly our person who was kind of, I think, from the furthest to the southwest was Katie from Houston. And then Kevin Gwynn, our fearless leader, the, the uh, creamy stuffing in our Oreo cookie that holds us all together, he came from Cincinnati, Ohio. There were a boatload of people from the general Pennsylvania area. There is a really good contingent of central PA runners who participate in the extra mile. Um, it was neat to see Nate from Harrisburg and Steve Hailstone and Anthony from York and JD from also York County, I think, or yeah, York County. Uh, my friend Dwayne, who's from Lancaster County. Um, so lots of those folks from that general area. Uh, there's one woman named Suzanne, who's from Kentucky. Uh, let's see, who else? Ah, Chris Twiggs, who I mentioned previously. He is from Florida. Another friend of mine, Chris Russell, and his wife came from uh, Eastern Massachusetts up in Littleton, Mass. And so we just had this great set of people from all over the East Coast. You know, some flew in, many drove in, like I did. And it was just fun. These are all people who, you know, I've heard their voices for years and hearing, you know, their trials and tribulations and, and dealing with injuries or, uh, you know, big life things like having cancer and surviving that and having surgery and surviving that and, and having kids and surviving that. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was really neat to meet and see and interact with these folks and to share the joy and love of friendship um, in person. And that was a kind of really wonderful thing. So that was another thing I thought I'd share. One of the interesting things about running in farm country is how many animals there are and all the different signs we saw for different, either saw us in animals or signs for animals. So uh, there, at one point along the route, there's a place where someone had kittens for sale and there was a big sign that said, kittens, $25, very cute. And a handful of us were joking that isn't, isn't that just automatic? Isn't it the default that a kitten is cute? Um, anyway, we, we were joking that one of us should have picked up a kitten to bring home. Of course, the Amish, since they don't use tractors, they use draft animals, and so there were lots and lots of horses. Many of these farms have, have just a whole flock. That's wrong. What is a group of horses? I should know what that is. A herd? It's a herd of cows. Anyway, um, many, many horses. We saw cows and goats and chickens, and it's just one of those nice things. It, it feels like going back 100 years in time. So visiting the Amish community, but definitely just, I feel that living in, in farm country too, that kind of things, there's more old fashioned fun, old fashioned kind of life things. And certainly being in an active farm community, that was, uh, that was one of the interesting things about Burtonhand, Pennsylvania.
often when I talk about races, I don't spend too much time on the, I'll say, atmosphere of the event. Um, but the Burden Hand Half Marathon was really a cool place to be. And the atmosphere is great. So the packet, like, they're experienced. I think this is the, either like the 7th running or the 11th running, something like that. Um, so they were very experienced. Everything was really logistically well laid out. Packet pickup was super easy. Um, you know, some races have like a fancy expo where you can buy lots of swag. Um, they had a little bit of that, but it was kind of, you know, buy baked goods, you know, to support the, the local fire department or um, homemade ice cream, things like that. It was very kind of farm country uh, stuff that you could buy. But the, the food was great. So on the Friday evening... They have a, a 5K, that five, five kilometer run that gets run. And then after that, they have all these campfire pits set up and they do s'mores. And so people are hanging around the campfire and cooking and eating s'mores and just having a really nice kind of family style atmosphere. And then on Saturday after the race, they have, you know, the usual kind of tent with water and bananas. And um, they had these ice-cold cloths. So they had kind of, I'll call them rags, but they weren't actual rags. Um, soaking in ice water, and you could just have one to drape over your head. Because clearly they've had experience with this race happening <laughs> on a warm day in August or September. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, and the post-race food was outstanding. So it was kind of just a great big barbecue, though I have to admit, so one of the people there is a, that I was hanging out with was vegetarian, and the vegetarian options were not that good. There was a salad and there was cake, <laughs> um, but otherwise it was, uh, it was very meat-based. But the barbecue chicken was great, the sausage was great, the potato salad was great, the homemade ice cream was great. It was, uh, yeah, just really good food, like freshly made, nothing was like prepackaged or anything like that. It was, it was just great, it was, and it was nice to be able to kind of hang out with folks. Um, the, you come down this, this farm lane, and you're running down that, and then you take a right turn onto, like, actual farm, like a pasture area, but with these kind of white rail fences. And so the finishing chute, which is probably, I'll say, 200 yards long, you're running between these two white rail fences, aiming at the finish line and it just got crowds on both sides yelling and cheering and and along the along the way there were always there were not always but there are many families out sitting in their front yard uh, cheering for folks as they went along and uh it was just great like the so the overall atmosphere like kind of being in i'll say at race central was just great so it was a great place to be a spectator there were quite a few people who were there cheering for folks who they didn't look like they had been running uh definitely dog friendly so if it wasn't a six plus hour drive which is t actually abby doesn't mind a six hour drive but it's hard for me to have my uh my brown dog navigator looking over my shoulder for that long she uh she's definitely a backseat driver um, but no, it's a great, a great atmosphere, great place to be a spectator and a really fun place to be at the finish line. Uh, after I finished my run, I broke out a couple of cowbells and I will actually, I'll, I'll get those out and do a little ding-a-ling ringing for you. Um, but I have a couple of good cowbells that I was staying there and ringing my cowbells and cheering for people. And frankly, that is fun too. Like I have as, as much fun running the race as I do cheering for other folks and trying to say mildly motivating things as they're in the last like four or 500 yards before the finish line. So anyway, all in all, the atmosphere at the Burden Hand was absolutely great. I give it five stars.
Well, I really spent my spring and summer training and focusing on my August Ultra. So I, my training program, you know, and I am self-coached. I'm not talking to any coach or getting any real guidance. Um, but I certainly read a lot about it, and I like to think about training, and I like to think about kind of doing things methodically with a plan, step-by-step -step approach. And uh, by doing it that way, I actually get to enjoy the process more. So it's not that I'm just focused on, oh, must try to run 100 miles, fail to run 100 miles. That was not a success. No, instead I can appreciate the small steps and small successes all along the way. And then when I succeed at running 100 kilometers, I can be happy with that. And so my training was very much for long and slow this summer. I did not really focus on speed and did very, very little what I would call speed work um, all summer, but definitely only a couple of kind of faster runs between my August Ultra and the September 11th race. But I, d I decided going down that, you know what, it would actually would be fun to try to race it. And so, you know, ru running something, you can run for fun, you can run with friends, you can run to chat, um, or you can race something, which means, you know, putting your effort in really hard, and when you're done, you're done. Like, you will be have spent your fuel at the end of that effort. And so I was going to race it. And as I mentioned earlier, my overall time was an hour 42 and four seconds. So pretty fast. I think I've, in my, in my adult life, only run two half marathons faster than an hour and 40. Um, and so, you know, really no complaint. I think, I think I got everything out that I could. Like the amount of extra effort it would have taken for me to get from an hour of 42 to, good morning, um, an hour 42 to less than an hour 40 would have been like <laughs> breaking myself kind of effort. So, uh, so I'm very happy with the outcome. We ran with this Jeff Galloway method run walk. So four minutes running, 30 seconds walking. And so that means like if my average pace, um, was seven minutes and 48 seconds per mile, that means when we're running, we're running substantially faster than that. We must be running, I don't know, I'm going to guess 7.15 to 7.20 minutes per mile, um, and then walking probably 15 or 16 minutes per mile. So like I mentioned, that's, that's a pretty focused walk. That's a power hike. You know, it's definitely not a leisurely going out for the walk with the brown dog. Um, but I was fairly competitive, so among people in my age cohort, so age 50 to 54, I came in fifth out of 62 people in that basket, for men in that basket. Um, overall, I was 129th out of just under 1,200 runners. So earlier I had estimated 1,500 to 2,000. I was wrong. I looked it up. There were just under 1,200 runners total. Still felt like a big crowd. It still felt fun. It was definitely a river of runners heading out from the start line and then a steady stream finishing. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was really good to, to work hard. Um, we followed the run walk like almost, almost consistently. There were, there's one place where our walk break started right as we were going down a nice steady decline down a hill. And so I said to Chris Twiggs, I'm like, hey, let's, let's run through this one. Like we don't want to give up the, the advantage that gravity gives us pulling us down this hill. And, uh, and then after, and since, we, since I was feeling good and 
I was being the I was being the devil on his shoulder. He's like, oh, if I get hurt, I'm gonna have to tell myself I was listening to that just plain Dave devil sitting on one shoulder, and uh, I should be listening to the, the Jeff Galloway angel sitting on the other shoulder. Um, but so after 11 miles, we stopped doing uh, the walk breaks, and then at about a mile, at around 11, I told Chris that I was gonna try to pick it up and asked if he had the, any juice left in his tank to kind of do a fast finish. And he, uh, he's like, no, I think, I think I'm good where I am. So at about 11 and a half miles, I said, okay, um, you know, when we hit the 12 mile mark, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accelerate and pass that person in front of us who was maybe, I don't know, 150 yards in front of us. And before we even got to mile 12, the both of us had passed that person. And I'm like, okay. And so then I, I kind of just accelerated away. And I worked really hard. So I, I ran a very fast last mile. It was like right even seven minute mile for the last mile. And, and I beat Coach Twiggs by one minute. So I'm wondering to myself afterwards, I'm like, huh, was that worth it? Was I, was, was finishing, you know, a few places ahead in the, in the standings and finishing one minute faster, was that worth the extra effort? I really don't know. I'm not going to be judgmental on that. I'm not going to say that I was a bad friend for not sticking with him for the last seven and a half minutes. Um, it was fun. I'll just say it was fun for me to pass a bunch of people. You know, I didn't pass anyone in my age cohort, so for 50 plus people, the, the gap to the next person in front of me was like 10 minutes, so that was never feasible. Um, and Chris was the next person back behind me in our age cohort, so I didn't gain any places among people in my age bracket, um, but I probably did pass 20 or so people um, in that last mile. They must be younger or older or of a non-male gender. And uh, anyway, so it was, it was fun, but it was fun to go and race and just to kind of push it for a little bit because that's something I can do on my own. And then the group part was to go back and stand and cheer. And I had my cowbells out and I had a blast and I was cheering for, you know, my extra mile friends. There were more than 30 running and, but cheering for everyone else too. And one of the fun things I like to do is you like pick out some characteristic of the person coming up the, up the road. So if they're wearing, like they were, we were in Pennsylvania. So there are quite a few people who are, uh, wearing something with like a Pennsylvania logo or like the word Philadelphia across their, their jersey or the shirt. And so I would say silly, optimistic things like, come on, come on, Philadelphia, you know, run like Dr. J is chasing you. And, you know, that had to, had to be an older person who knows who Dr. J, Julius Irving, professional basketball player from the 1970s and 80s. They had to know who that was. Um, but there's like, you know, someone wearing a New Mexico flag jersey or, um, you know, different fundraiser shirts. And so you could yell and cheer and holler and offer support. And just doing that and putting a smile on someone's face, you know, when they have five minutes left to go is awesome. It was really great. And uh, yeah, this is one of my, one of my pieces of advice, my coaching advice for people when you do a race is, you know, if you can run with a shirt that has your name on it, because then people will cheer for you with your name. And you get those little <laughs> endorphin pings in your brain when you uh, when people cheer for you. It's a nice thing. So, all in all, I will say I had an absolutely joyful time at the Bird in Hand Half Marathon. Thank you for letting me share my tale with you as I start my next day off with the walk with the brown dog. 
And so, from southeastern Massachusetts, this is Just Plain Dave. Happy trails, my friends.